0: Welcome to the You Join Podcast, where we tell stories about grassroots advocates and the victories they achieve. In this episode, we talk to Jamie McDonald, one of the original creators of Giving Tuesday, She talks about her background and how Giving Tuesday went from a crazy idea to a global movement for philanthropy and giving generally. She talks about how to dream big and why, and she talks about the future of Giving Tuesday also. Enjoy. We are really excited to talk to you about Giving Tuesday, which has become this big phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll just be really interesting to hear the backstory about all this and your role in it and to, to hear about it. But first, I want to I want to hear a little bit about your background. What got you into this?
1: Well, so um, so Giving Tuesday is one of the couple of things that I work on, um, but kind of fits into a broader category of movement building, and so um, which is really connected to my career, my sort of career evolution, so I've had three phases of my career in the way that I look at it. The first phase, first 17 years, I was an investment banker. I worked for um, a firm that was called Alex Brown when I joined it, but ultimately we were acquired by Bankers Trust and then by Deutsche Bank, so we were, you know, we were like 2,200 people when I joined and we were like 123,000 people when I left, Um, so crazy growth and change. Mm. Um That's right. and my my um my focus for most of my time at Alex Brown was covering venture capital and leverage buyout funds. So very much kind of in the growth and entrepreneurship space. In the mm-hmm. second phase of my career, I became an entrepreneur. and um and I started and sold two companies. My second company was a software company, community engagement, online giving platform um you might know some of the uh the joys and frustrations of that world through you join um and we um started in 2011 sold to network for good in 2014 and then the third phase of my career has been this work I do as an advisor largely to CEOs for profit and non-profit CEOs around the country and um and movement building work so you know, so that was kind of the part that I enjoyed the most about the work I did at GiveCorp and really taking that and not having to have employees anymore. Um, and really sort of acting as an advisor um, to folks who are trying to think about how to scale impact um, in, with sort of a movement mindset. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that, that ties to Giving Tuesday very directly because I got involved in Giving Tuesday the very first year in 2012. When it was just an idea at the 92nd Street Y, a very um, smart and innovative guy there, Henry Timms, um, had this idea that on the heels of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we should reclaim the giving season.
0: And where, where, what, where is this? The 92nd Street Y.
1: It's in New York City. New York City. Yeah, okay. it's quite a well-known place around the country. Um, in Why terms is that? of. Yeah, because they lead like the Social Good Summit and the Genius Series, and they've got all kinds of high-profile partners. And if you're ever in New York City, every famous person does talks at the Y. It's a pretty, it's a real hub of interesting stuff happening in New York.
0: Wow, Um, that's so interesting.
1: And so they have a center there that is called the Belfer Center for Innovation and Social Impact. That's led by a woman named Asha Curran. And so Henry sort of had this idea he and Asha pulled together a group of partners, and um, and their idea was just to sort of put this concept out into the wild and see what happened.
0: How long had they been there at that Y?
1: Mm, I think each a couple of years. Um, you know, Henry ultimately went on to head the Y, so he's the CEO of the Y now. Oh, wow. Um, and Asha's the CEO of the Belfer Center. So, you know, in some ways, the work with Giving Tuesday Um, Demonstrated, I think, you know, an ability to really think in an innovative way about an organization that was looking at how it could continue to innovate and grow. And uh, so it's well beyond Giving Tuesday. There's all kinds of really amazing things that are happening there. But in 2013, second year of Giving Tuesday, um, you know, we had had like a crazy good year the first year. And we thought, okay, well, it's not just us. Who kind of gets the whole, you know, inspiration from Wait, this idea? When you
0: say "we," who is this?
1: So we, um, this, so we it was my company, GiveCore, because we all got really excited about Giving Tuesday the very first year, and in the <laughs> second year,
0: were you in touch with um, Henry and?
1: The second year we Austria. were okay. Yeah, the se- so is... the second year we decided to um, not just our GiveCore team, but we also um, called. You know, folks from around Baltimore, the United Way and the Associated, which is our Jewish Federation, a big volunteer organization, the school system. We called a bunch of partners together and said, What would you think if we tried to raise $5 million on Giving Tuesday, 2013, and after people said, What is Giving Tuesday? because nobody had heard of it back then.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> that. Um, and then you know, people said, You know, why not like we're trying to do a big thing and the worst thing that can happen is that you aren't successful trying to do a big thing Which I was always pretty comfortable with
0: Um, (laughs) So so how did were you did you kind of talk to them and say like? um, Get the blessing and say hey, we want to run with this too Or was it from the get-go was their idea to make it a campaign that everybody could sort of run with
1: no no It was definitely I mean What I have learned in the movement building space is there has to be a leader, right? So, you know, me and my team were definitely sort of the leaders of the effort. And, um, And I think that in some ways part of the reason that that made it work so well is because if you're the United Way or you're the Associated and, you know, for whatever reason things don't go exactly as we had hoped, they could say, well, That was (laughs) GiveCore. But on the other hand, I think it also, you know, it, it, so they got a little cover, but they also had the inspiration. And I think um, the sense of fearlessness that my team brought to it, um, that, you know, we weren't afraid to try something big. And, um, and so we did it. And all those partners were terrific partners. In, you know, in the effort, um, each bringing different skills to the table and different resources in terms of people or other resources. And we ended up raising $5.7 million that day and had incredible volunteerism and acts of kindness and all this stuff. And because we were trying to do this big thing and it was only the second year of Giving Tuesday, we were the first really large scale Giving Tuesday campaign. So we were very in touch with Henry and Asha that year. Um, and, you know, because we we just, you know, we we thought they wanted to control it more than they did. Like they really have a movement mindset, which is um, unbranded, you know, learn from the community about how they take it and make it authentic. And um, And so one of the moments that, you know, was so emblematic of their approach was that we had gotten really excited about this whole idea. And so we worked with a graphic designer to help us come up with a logo. And we and we came up with this name, the Be More Gives More campaign. That's what we called it. And we said, like, Be More Gives More on Giving Tuesday. But we were very far down this road when all of a sudden, like, it occurred to me that, you know, Giving Tuesday has a logo. And I thought, God, I wonder if, like, we've invested all this time and energy finding something that we really feel like fits Baltimore. And, um, and so I called Henry and I was like, look, I hope we didn't get get over our skis here because I just want to like share with you what we're doing, what we're thinking. And he was so excited (laughs) that we had come up with this completely unique logo and approach and name. And he's like, no, that's exactly what this is supposed to be about. So that was how I got connected to the movement, um, You know, the year after that, I led a statewide campaign for Maryland. And at that point, we had sold to Network for Good in 2014. So I led their national campaign. So I've led three big Giving Tuesday campaigns that have raised, like, $20 million. um, Right
0: out of the gate.
1: Yeah, in those early years. And then, um, you know, when I was ready to leave Network for Good, I, you know, spoke with Henry. And he said, look, why don't you come onto the team? And there are lots of leaders popping up like you around the country who are looking for ideas and inspiration for how they can make their communities successful. And so that was my original role there, was I started working at the time with eight communities on Giving mm-hmm. Tuesday. And um, this year we'll probably, the number, we're not done tallying everything, but we'll probably be at about 120 communities that I work with now with another colleague. Um, wow. But I also do strategy work for you know Giving Tuesday overall.
0: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm it's so it's so interesting so when in that back to that very first uh, Baltimore campaign when you were saying okay this is a great idea we want to run with this what what were the were you just starting to brainstorm about how to reach out to whom and was it how many of there were you kind of in the trenches at this point
1: well so our little working team was probably like eight hands-on people um like one person that really had good like PR expertise and my one colleague Heather who I still do a ton with um she's just like she's incredible marketer but she's also just like an incredible project manager so like having somebody that's thinking about like everything you need to get done and how, you know, the thing I always say about her and having somebody like that by your side, like somebody that makes sure that every drop of juice gets squeezed from the lemon, like Mm. she's one of those people. So everything we did, you know, if we did, um, you know, uh, we did a food truck rally as our kickoff, just as an example, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, she would, you would not only like, everybody together and have fun at the food truck rally but she'd have like online signups where you could pledge for how much you were going to commit to do on giving tuesday and they like she just would think about all the various things that in in sort of in silos people would say okay we need to do this and we need to do that we need to do this but she'd say okay if we're going to do a food truck rally what are the 10 things we can do to make sure that every person who comes there you know, walks away feeling like I'm connected to this idea for Be More Gives More. And, and so and every single activity that we did, every outreach, if I wrote, mm-hmm. like I wrote an op-ed um, that, you know, typical of Heather, like we, it was published in The Sun, and then we did sort of a national version that got picked up by the White House Innovation Blog, and then we did mm-hmm. sort of a mega-regional kind of version that got picked up by some other people. So, like, each thing... That we did. We just tried to make sure because we had very little money to put into this, other than just the the staff time of our people. Mm-hmm. And um, but we thought it would be good for the company and good for Baltimore. So I, I do think that one of the other things that I find is a characteristic of leaders that that grab hold of things like this is they can see like the win-win in it,
0: mm-hmm. right? They
1: see that the work can be good for them and good for their community or good for the movement or good for, you know, the organization that they're working with. And I don't think people should shy away from, like, trying to find those win-wins. You know, as people in the social sector, we don't have to, like, fall on our sword for every single, (laughs) like, we don't have to martyr (laughs) ourselves to do good, right? You can Mm -hmm. do good do well, advance professionally, like there can be a win in a lot of the things that we work on. And I think sometimes we're, we're sort of shy about if you're in the impact world, you know, you're sort of shy about like what the wins are. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much. That's so interesting. So it was really a, you know, the reason it was successful is because it sounds like it was very well planned out, very well executed. And everybody was, sort of thinking through the details and then at the end of it that very first one when you raised 5.7 million is that what you said Mm -hmm. did you all kind of look at yourselves thinking uh wow that really worked or were you you expecting (laughs) it to go that well
1: i mean we felt like we did everything we could and you know while i do think the planning is super important the dream and the inspiration and like the goal to do something big is as or more important. And I think, again, like, I think that's that's another lesson I've sort of learned in all of this is that if you're gonna do big things, it's important to state what that big thing is that you're trying to do. Because it's, otherwise it can feel like this endless march toward nothing hmm. Right. Even when you feel good about the thing you're doing in the moment. And so I'm sort of a big believer in like visible vocal goals. And when we set this goal. So so one of the things I haven't mentioned is that that five million dollars, we said we had two goals the way we articulated it. So one was to raise five million dollars. The other was to be the most generous city in America on Giving Tuesday. And not because we cared, honestly, about like beating other cities, but you know, that was really an authentically inspiring mission in a city like Baltimore, because it's a city that's got a bit of a chip on its shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. It's known for all these things. And being the most generous city is not the first thing off the tip of people's tongues when they think about Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So, so, but the little dirty secret of all of that was that you know, while I wasn't 100% sure that we could raise the $5 million, I was pretty darn sure we were gonna be the most generous city because I didn't think there were gonna be any other cities that did a campaign that year. And so I felt (laughs) comfortable that we'd be able to lay claim to at least one of those objectives. Yeah, yeah. And so that gave me a little bit of like a, you know, a, a cushion of optimism that we'd have something pretty positive to say one way or another um but i also had a lot of faith in baltimore i had a faith like a lot of faith that like people would hear this big idea and you know it's it's a city that people feel it i mean you know you were here for a period of time um you know people who were here really feel this place if, if you get it right mm-hmm. and um and so we we felt pretty confidently that people would rally around the idea and so the combination of the big goal and this sort of aspirational idea for Baltimore that was so different from the way people perceive us and really good planning, um, I think, were the reasons that we were able to pull it off.
0: Wow. So this then continued for the next several years with-
1: Yeah. Well, with- so we went we went statewide the next year, but Bal- and Baltimore still to this day, even though there's not like a, a named campaign the way that there was back then. Um, it's still a city, you know, it's definitely one of the most generous cities every year on Giving Tuesday, partly because Giving Tuesday is very much in the fabric of the social sector here because we've been involved for so long. So long. Yeah. And we see that in some other places too, that have had longstanding community campaigns that after a while, they don't necessarily need the organized campaign because it becomes kind of baked into the culture of the city.
0: Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um,
1: And that that's an interesting thing to kind of watch. Like one of the things Henry Timms says is a movement's not a movement unless it moves without you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so it's it's interesting to see how much it can kind of keep moving without the leaders as it, you know, as it becomes really baked into the culture.
0: Which it totally is now, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, around the, we're, you know, it's, but now it's this giant global thing and there are leaders in lots of places, but the leaders are not, um, they're, they're sort of like the inspiration and the organization for the movement in all the countries around the, so we're in, last year we were in 212 countries and territories, I think it's every country and territory on the globe. Um, this year, I'm sure we were in the same number. So it's, it's incredibly big worldwide movement. Um, but one of the things that's so interesting about it is uh, that the culture of giving is really different in different countries, particularly giving money is very different in different countries. Um, and so one of the things that's been so exciting about the movement, you know, everywhere we are, we say that it's about, you know, generosity in all forms but outside of the U.S., you really see that in, you know, in in sort of creative and inspiring ways, because in many of the countries that have Giving Tuesday movements, they don't necessarily have a philanthropic culture of giving. And so their mm-hmm. giving comes in other forms. And we see campaigns, um, we had a campaign in Liberia this year where, um, you know, members of of the community who are experiencing homelessness were um, brought all together and they were given t-shirts and um, and some financial support for themselves but they also had the option of like they were given extra dollars that if they wanted to give money away they could and the generosity shown by people who were themselves you know in need of so much was such an inspiring thing and in Croatia they artists in the community came together and they created artwork and they packaged it up in brown paper and string and they hung it on clotheslines around the city and people could come and take a piece of art. And that was a big part of their giving Tuesday. So all kinds of just creative activations that are like hallmarks of the movement. And I think part of what has given Tuesday legs, you know, is this idea that generosity in all forms is celebrated.
0: Wow. So this little idea that was hatched in new york city and baltimore really is Happy now for
1: sure but but we we jumped on it in baltimore
0: yeah and there you said there were eight of you on our, were, on you our, you
1: initial, you... On our initial team that first year team. Yeah. were you working
0: out of downtown baltimore
1: in remington
0: remington yeah so you were huddling up there and um hatching the baltimore version yeah well no,
1: that's where our that's where our offices were and you know, so when we, we'd convene our little group virtually and in person as needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And now happened all really, really fast.
1: It did From happen fast. Actually, we, we started in September for giving Tuesday on, I think it was December 2nd or 3rd that year. So we had about two and a half months to pull it off. It was, it was wild, but it was, it was exciting.
0: So what what's 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 happening now? What's the what's the future with all of this? I, it seems reflexive now. Everybody's sort of just like you said. It's sort of taken on a life of its own. There's leadership everywhere, and yeah, I mean, from I, your perspective, I
1: think that you know one of the things that we're really wrestling with as a movement, um, you know, particularly in the U.S., is um, it's been so successful here that. Um, that you know, we worry about the risk of it becoming perceived as like fundraising Tuesday, which is not what it's it what it's about. You know, it's it's not. You know, we think nonprofits should be unapologetic about their need for financial support, but we view our constituents as the generous human beings that choose how they want to give, and so um, that messaging is a lot easier in other countries. Than it is here.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You no, know,
1: here, just as a, as a nation, we 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 tend to like to make things about dollars, right? And particularly, the good part of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday is there was a natural reason for people to sort of say, okay, on the heels of all this consumerism, like let's get back to you know the basics of society, right? Let's take care of each other. Let's be good neighbors. Um, but the The flip side of that is that the association with those other two days is that they're very money-driven. And so Giving Tuesday in the U.S. feels like a very money-driven day. And we're really working hard to, even though tons of acts of kindness and generosity and volunteerism and, you know, events and thank yous all happen on Giving Tuesday also. But that stuff doesn't get as much attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so... You know, so we're really working hard in the US to start to think about how we, through our leadership platform, um, how we sort of re, you know, tip the scales back to sort of the giving from the fundraising. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely a high priority as we kind of look into next year. And, um, and then the other things that we are really thinking hard about at Giving Tuesday are um, how we take what we've learned, building a global movement, and incubate other movement leaders who are looking to build other kinds of movements that are focused in sort of innovation and civic engagement, and um, and so that's another kind of big thing that's that's coming. Mm. Um, and, and then you know I think that the final thing that we're really looking hard at um, is you know what does um, what does a movement like this Think about from a data perspective. So we've had a pretty interesting data collaborative for a couple of years, um, largely to sort of assess the impact of Giving Tuesday. But but that original work then led to us looking at well, what do Giving Tuesday donors look like? And and when we found out some of that, we thought, well, why are people motivated to give on a day like this? And why do younger people give on a day like this? And that has led to us doing all kinds of other evaluation that we think ultimately is good for the sector to really understand what inspires people, what motivates people to take action in a generous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. way. Um, and so that's kind of the other big thing that we're really working on right now is really how to build out that that data work so that we can help the sector be better at what it does, so that we can ultimately have you know a stronger, more generous society and world.
0: Wow. So it's gone from, okay, we have the success of Giving Tuesday. Now you're looking at it in a more systemic way to replicate it outside of that. And what is the, is there a Giving Tuesday board or what's the entity through which? So for right
1: now it still sits within um, the Belfer Center and 92nd street. Y. Um, There may be some news coming about that soon. Um, And we're, know we're privately funded by largely by the gates foundation but also by a couple of other philanthropies um and we have um i would say more advisors because it's not a standalone entity so we have you know a number of advisors who are thought leaders in the social sector either from a data perspective or a philanthropy perspective um one guy's a well-known professor at the d school at stanford i mean so it's folks like that that are really sort of innovators in the you know, in the social impact world, who add to our kind of thinking about our own work.
0: I think that's really neat that that a lot of the folks like you who really started all of this still get together and work together. <laughs> you know, I've well,
1: everybody on the Giving Tuesday team has has come from the movement itself, so all the leaders are sort of homegrown. Um, you know, each person that's on the team, which is pretty interesting because there's not the learning curve about the basic values of the movement. Mm -hmm. And in a movement like this, I think that's really important, like that people really feel it and don't have to be sort of taught like what Giving Tuesday is really about. So yeah, it's, I guess there's eight of us on the team, nine maybe on the Global Giving Tuesday team who work on it, you know full or part-time and, um, and all of them have come from within the movement.
0: I love that. That's so cool. Well, uh, so what's next for you, Jamie (laughs) McDonald moving forward? Oh,
1: I've always got things cooking. So I'm working on a book, um, that is, uh, titled TBD, but, but basically, The kind of working premise is big. It's kind of what I've gotten to observe over 30 years of watching people who do big things from venture capitalists and leveraged buyout fund folks to the entrepreneurs that they work with to, you know, people in the social sector to movements that I've worked with. And, you know, I've found that there is this set of characteristics across the board that people who do big things do and um and so it's going to be a series of stories and reflections on kind of those characteristics of people who think about big things um i've launched uh very recently a small kind of cohort um or community i guess i would say that we have had a cohort but it's really a community called the courageous um which is focused on um helping grassroots movement builders um have a network of other people that they can rely on because as you know when when, if you're an entrepreneur um in the social space or if you're a you know a social entrepreneur or you're a nonprofit leader who's trying to do something big um often you start small and you feel kind of alone (laughs) and so um so we're we're trying to create this community where folks in that world who are trying to scale their impact can not just learn from people like me and like mentors, so to speak, um, but can learn from each other and recognize that we can, they can collectively as a group get so much more done if they think about how to leverage one another's, um, knowledge and inspiration and experience, um, And kind of shift some of the balance of power from the philanthropists and investors who often can drive people in the social sector often inadvertently to make decisions that are not necessarily in their real, you know, strategic interests because you're trying to get funded. And, you know, so you sort of you fit yourself into the priorities of the investor and we're trying to help people get further without doing that so that they can be more sound when they actually, you know, need that financial support and can kind of be more, you know, more kind of committed to the way they want to do it the right way. So that's what wow. we're trying to do with The Courageous. Um, and it'll all tie in together with the book. And so that's that's kind of my next thing that I'm working on.
0: Very cool. It's exciting, so it's something Very cool. next
1: year, that's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking your time to chat and and tell that story it's and uh thanks for all the awesome work
1: that's my pleasure and good luck to you guys i know you've got a lot going on and happy to have a chance to talk to you today
0: yeah thanks again
1: all right Corey. all right thanks
0: bye-bye